Hello there and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're well. It's Friday the 10th of April, a couple of weeks now and more into the lockdown in the UK due to coronavirus epidemic or pandemic as uh, it's affected things globally. If you're listening back to this in the future uh, for context, uh, we are sponsored Sport and Life by Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. So, yep, got an interesting podcast coming up today. I think Michael Duff, a former Burnley player in the Premier League, currently manager of Cheltenham Town, lives around the corner from me. I actually saw him in the park a couple of weeks ago. I haven't since, obviously, due to the um, restrictions, but they've been off training for a while. And in League Two, the fourth tier of English football, so clearly concern around income due to lack of gate money pretty much the entire month, I presume, and the ramifications of that. Also, we spoke to Paul Godfrey a while ago on the podcast, which you can look back. He's Cheltenham Town Secretary, along with Head of Commercial John Finnegan. And, and Paul was talking about the month of May typically being very key for the club and other lower league football clubs due to the fact that season ticket sales usually take place in that month. And that's a big boon to the clubs to get them through the summer months. Now, whether we will effectively come to a point where we don't have an off-season for the next year or so in football, potentially might be something that can, I guess, compensate for that and when normally we'd have June and July off, which would cost the clubs money, perhaps we can try and kind of get back and kind of um, restore that money. And of course, there's the option of clubs going on the government's furlough scheme with their players and non-playing staff and maybe explore that with Michael if he's able to talk about that at the moment. Um, I think he's pointed out to me in a conversation, obviously that money then has to be repaid, which is per- perhaps not widely discussed at the moment. Um, which is a reality for, for people that ultimately the government will need to get some of the money out, a huge injection into, of cash into the UK economy, announced by the Chancellor uh, Rishi Sunak. And it's, um, yeah, trying times, isn't it? The anxiety over health with coronavirus causing thousands upon thousands of deaths worldwide, but also the anxiety over finance at the moment with the cost to gross domestic product, not only in the UK, but worldwide impact on the world economy and how it will leave us uh, going forward particularly small businesses and effectively i suppose clubs like Cheltenham Town are a little bit like small businesses anyway i hope you're well wherever you are i hope this is of, of interest to you possibly a bit of a distraction as well at the moment glorious weekend good friday in in the uk beautiful blue skies over cheltenham in the west of england where i live but obviously very surreal and this phone call has been delayed a couple of times actually to Michael because initially I was stuck in a queue at Boots in town centre for a long time because of the uh, social distancing implemented and the amount of people can be in, in a store at any one point. So I was queuing outside the pharmacy uh, for a good while and then Michael's had phone calls to do with, I think, players' concerns and things at the moment, which is understandable. So hopefully uh, get hold of him and have a conversation about everything else. But yep, enjoy your Easter weekend wherever you are. I hope to speak to my dad again soon on the podcast and on my social media soon in terms of my dad is a GP and a, and a micronutritionist specialising in trace elements. The supplements we alluded to, I will put something on my social media, eddraper underscore 81 and eddraper81 on Twitter with the selenium, which he has provided something to Department of Health along with a colleague to suggest that selenium supplementation is key at the moment because it's relatively low in the UK and can boost immunity at the cellular level to help in this fight against coronavirus. But I'll put a link to that and a discount code as well on my social media at Draper underscore 81 on Instagram at Draper 81 on Twitter. Cheers, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Bye.
Hey, Hello, Michael. How are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I just interrupted your afternoon beer, haven't I? I think <laughs> it's quite late. For people listening, it's not. It's not early. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's at least ten past three now. It's at least, it's at least that. It's at least it, that. It's a bank holiday. It's the first ever bank holiday I've had, so I'm allowed to have a beer. Yeah, I was going to say it must be surreal. Is that in that sense? Because this is usually pandemonium in the football schedule, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, this is you try and take the positives out of a situation that we're in at the minute. And I've literally got a lot of span, uh, time to spend with the family um, and, yeah. and, and can make the, make the boast of. Hang on, I think I've just lost you a little bit there, Michael. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, uh, I can okay, hear you now, yeah, yeah. No, I think it might just be, for people who are listening, we're doing it through an app and, and through mobile phones, so if the reception's not as great as usual, but obviously with, with social distancing, we can't, we can't um, get too close to each other at the moment. But I saw you a couple of weeks ago in the park. How are you finding the whole thing? Because you're an active guy. Are you, are you getting kind of cabin fever? Oh, sorry, Matt, you've broken up there again. I think that might, might oh, be okay. me. Don't uh, worry. Have you got Wi-Fi there? Yeah, I've got... I've, I've, I'll tell you what it is, it's because it'll be on the Wi-Fi. Let me, um, I'm just at the bottom end of the garden. Move inside and enjoying the sun, clearer for you. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and move Sorry to have <laughs> broken up your lovely garden scene. It's, uh, goes with the, hopefully that'll yeah, be Yeah, yeah, that's loud and clear, that's loud and clear. But how, how have you found it all? I saw you in the park, didn't I, a couple of weeks ago before the full lockdown came in and you were you're kicking a ball around, but you looked like you were, uh, you're kicking your heels a bit then. Have you, have you found it sort of uh, cabin fevery, or have you, have, you, have you managed to take those positives, like you said, out of it to get, get a bit of a rest? No, just trying to take... Because I said, spending time with the family. Um, you do is, even when I'm off, I'm not, even when I'm on holiday, I'm not really on holiday because I've got, I'm at the end of a phone all the time, but, you know, football literally has shut down. So it's the first time in 20 years that I've probably just gone, yeah, relax. Um, so just trying to take the positives out. Good, of it, good really. for you. And how, how are the players as well? Are you, are you in sort of constant contact with them? I saw an article in, in the local media here down Gloucestershire Live that you were, that they had running programs and they were watching a bit of tape on other teams. Yeah, well, obviously we're not sure what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Um, mm. Not what, not what Joe Mourinho did anyway. <laughs> I think it was the... No, no, we've definitely not set up any, anything in parks like that. I was, I was definitely walking the dog with the two kids when I saw yes, you, you were, in the park. Um, but just, we, we're just aware that, you know, mentally, football's, footballers generally, be, you know, they become institutionalised, yes. which is why a lot of footballers struggle when they retire because for 20 years or 10 years or however long they've played, it's been, right, you're not allowed to eat this, you can drink that, you get up in the morning, you go to work, you're given your breakfast, mm. you get told what to do, and then you go home and you rest, and then yes. you play again. And all of a sudden, but even in the summer, you get six weeks off, but you know you're working towards mm. pre-season. Yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a kind of structure, a rigidity to it that, that's kind of not, not there at the moment. Yeah, there's, no, absolutely. You get, you know, you normally get two weeks total rest, and then it's, all right, I better start doing my programme because the yeah. season's coming. yeah. Whereas this is literally just total. What, what's your take on it? Because I think I saw an article. Um, I don't know how old it was with you. And then obviously with Andy Wilcox, I know has said the chairman of Cheltenham Town said that there's a kind of a unity in leagues one and two. They want to finish the current season. Is that is that your take on it? Whatever that might be, even if it's 
August, September to, to close this one out? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, how, how you can prioritise a season that hasn't been, never been played over a season that's been mm. 75% played, I think, yeah. I think just because we're doing well, that's, I think that's, people have invested a lot of money as supporters and just to null and void it, so that was a waste of money. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to be a difficult situation, no matter who, no matter what, what the outcome is, someone's not going to be not happy with it. And, and I think, if I'm being brutally honest, I think just at the top end of the game, the money involved will be a problem, mm. as in promotion, TV deals, all that. Yeah. And, and that will dictate what happens uh, ultimately. But no, I think it is important that we try and see the season out. But the other side of that is it's important that when we do restart, there's still 91 Football League clubs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because we lost one. We lost one in Bury anyway, didn't we? Which, well, we've lost you know. one already last year. Um, yeah. Or this year. Um, and then, you know, if this goes on and on and on, no one knows that's the uncertainty, which is the horrible part of it because no one knows. Mm. You don't want to restart a season and there's 86 football league clubs because five clubs have gone missing. Yeah. I mean, speculation as well, wasn't there? You talked about the Premier League. And obviously, you've got this rare experience of being, we, we joked about it last time we chatted, but the only person to, to play in the eight tiers ascending from non-league, from, from non-professional up to the Premier League in the, the most um, watched and, and most lucrative league in, in the world. Um, but up there, they're talking about potentially, you know, there's rumours and reports coming out of behind closed doors games, but that's not really feasible. Is there any, any point to doing that in, in League One and Two? Um, well, it will get the season finished. Whether mm. it's, it's probably the worst case scenario for lower league clubs because already a lot of, already a lot of clubs have been placed on furlough. Uh, or will be placing on furlough. Um, obviously, if you're working, you can't claim that, but you've got enough yeah. date receipts either. So that's no. probably, for our point of view, worst case scenario. But if it's if it has to be done, it has to be done. But then if it is, if they're going to do that, they need to understand that they need to somehow get all these clubs through this in one piece. Yeah. There's a perception in the, about the Premier League as well, isn't there? There's, there's obviously clubs that have published massive accounts with... Big profits. I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said Manchester United are okay. Their salary turnover isn't a huge portion of their income. It is some clubs. But I know that your old club, Burnley, has said that they may struggle going to August, September. Uh, you know, do you think people are aware of that as well? We, we kind of lump the Premier League together when within the Premier League there are some clear divides between the haves and the have-nots just because it, although they have a lot of money going in, they've got a lot of money coming out. Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, the, all the money's in the top end of the, uh, in the Premier League. Mm. But most of that percentage-wise still goes on players. So yeah. they, they've got the same problems as League Two clubs. Just because they've got more money, it means they've got more outgoings as well. It's the same as any, any, you know, the man in the street. You cut, yeah. your, cloth, you cut your cloth accordingly. Yeah. Um, I actually think it'll be pro- probably more championship clubs that will suffer. Oh, really? Because they're the ones that are, you know, they're the ones that are speculating to try and get into the big league. Yes. And, yeah. and, and you've seen clubs over the years that have, you know, Sunderland, you know, I'm watching the documentary that Sunderland Till I Die and I think they got relegated and out of the championship with a wage bill of £34 million. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and now they're in League One. And well, Leeds United, I think, at the moment, they've deferred wages, haven't they? Which is a, a championship, at, very, at the summit of the championship. They're obviously, like you say, speculating to, to get to, back to the Premier League for the first time in, in 16 years. Yeah, well, I think, what, they're six points clear or something? And it's a deferral as well. Um, yeah. But I think until, until the PFA actually come to some sort of resolution because there's there's nothing been resolved yet. And obviously they look after players from top to bottom. Yeah. But there's 
there's obviously contra the contract dispute that, that looks like we're going to go past the 30th of June, so there's going to be players out of contract. So mm -hmm. who, who do they are they allowed to walk away after the 30th, 30th of June, or do the clubs have to pay them until the season's finished, whenever that date may be? Mm -hmm. So there's, until all those things get tidied up, it's it's so difficult to to. Speak. Have, you, have you got players out of contract imminently that you have to sort of try and figure out what what you're going to do? Yeah, we've got. Uh, I'm trying to think what we've got now. I think we've got 12 players contracted to next year, but we've currently got 26 players, of which four are loans. Wow. Yeah. So, but that that is, and that's actually at, at my, uh, this club particularly, out at Cheltenham. We've had a lot more players than that every year running out of contract. One thing we've tried to do is try and build a little bit more continuity. Um, yes. So it's going to be a completely different summer in terms of. I think it'll be, you know, the the player power, particularly at our level, will have gone. Because the players won't be able to call any shots when it comes to, well, I want this and I want that. The clubs will be like, well, we haven't got yeah. that and we haven't got that. So no. it's going to be, it's going to be a real difficult. But this is all, this is all assuming that we get the season done and there is a summer. Yes. Do you think? Do you think it'll be more? Do you think it'll be more of a move financially for players and clubs to look at maybe less pay over a longer period of time, so it gives players more security, but maybe clubs less of a percentage of their income going out on salaries? Is that something prudent? I mean, we don't know this is ever going to happen again. It's unprecedented, but there's obviously a chance with these viruses they, they may come again. I think, um, I think the problem with that, that's, that's a brilliant solution and hopefully that would happen, but you've, got, you've forgotten the middleman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they want to move players more because they earn more money moving players. So they yes. want to get more money into a one-year deal and then move them again for more money the next year. Um, so it's, Hopefully, some good will come out of all of this situation where people realise that you know you can't run a football club at 135% of what your income is because yeah. it's just never going to work. No. If, and that's why I think the Championship might be the ones that struggle more and League 2 for different reasons because they've just not got the cash flow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real difficult situation. And all this being, this is all second most to what's actually going on. Yeah, 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 of course. This is, you know, I think everyone's aware of where we are, and, and people are losing their lives, and people are putting their lives on the line to to try and get us through this 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 pandemic. And I think you know, this is we're, we're talking about football, but ultimately, first things first is get everyone safe. Yeah, and how are the players with that? You said it's kind of unsettling for them not to have the structure. Are they concerned about the the health situation? We've had, got... we've, we've had no one diagnosed, as in. The, the club doc thinks three or four of the lads may have had it. You know, they've shown symptoms, but we've not actually gone into the hospital and, sure. and had a test because they didn't need to. They're fit and healthy, and they felt a little bit unwell, but they they only got the early stages of um, of, of the virus. They didn't get to the you know the respiratory problems. So, um, but obviously, all the players have been um, that they're all isolated now, so they're all. Yeah, you know, a lot of them did go to the races. So whether it's come from that, we're not sure. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think it matters with the races or not. I think there's been enough contact with enough people that it's obviously, yeah, it's it, it's, it's getting around. So uh, as a as a speech right here, right now, everyone's in good health. Good, um, which, which is you know which is good. But going back to the point of doing little bits and bobs with the with the players, just trying to get them to watch different games and things. It's it's a mental stimulation. Mm. It's uh you know, we, we've got young single lads who are literally on their own. Yes, we've got we've got lads that are living away from home on their own. Yeah, um, you know, John T. Smith's from Bermuda. He's living in in a one bedroom flat in in Cheltenham, and he's 
there's only so much running and so many press-ups you can do. It's, and does he have does he have access to a garden or anything, or is he literally he's, he's closed in apart from his daily exercise? Yeah, once a day? pretty much. Yeah. So it's that's what I mean. So it's just trying to keep them activate them mentally. It's not class. Oh, I wouldn't think it's it's not classes work because it's not compulsory. It's it's just yeah, lads, here's a couple of games. Have a watch. What do you think? Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm doing just for my own benefit. Just trying to trying to watch and watch other teams that play a similar sort of way to us, just for sort of personal development as much as anything else. Yeah. Do you, do you envisage it be a season where it becomes like we have the end of this and then the start of the next almost straight away if we, if we can get out there and we can have crowds and, and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think there'll be, um, again, this is forever changing, but the, the latest news that I've heard is that they're trying to get the season done in 56 days, which is including the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then I think there'll be a, a minimum type break because, again, you come back to contracts where the players will be entitled to some sort of rest and it's important that they do as well mm. if you've just played well there's potentially if we were to get to the playoff final we'll have just played 13 games in uh 46 days yeah yeah and then then you're going to ask them to have a, a week's break and go into a another season so there will be some sort of yeah the squads aren't bigger than particularly at league two level are they to, to withstand that no and, and like you said there's going to be a lot of players out of contract so there needs to be enough time to be able to sort of tidy everything up, give the players a mental rest because, you know, they're physically resting at the minute, but mentally mm. it's quite strenuous and um, and then allow teams to try and build another team, but they will want the season started as quickly as possible as well because of the cash flow situation. Yeah. What kind of fitness level do you want them at at the moment? Do you want them ticking over, doing sprints and stuff, or do you want them just at sort of base cardiovascular level? So uh, you then do it. It's yeah. not really... I think now the way it's, you know, we've been told that the players might almost be best off having a couple of week break. I don't know. This is, I've not spoken yeah. to a sports scientist, but I think it was me currently, uh, well, I've not spoken to him for a couple of days, but the news being that they're saying no one should be training before the 16th of um, May. Mm. You know, so that's five, another five weeks away. So you might be best off taking a little bit of a break now, knowing, yeah. you know, rather than, the uncertainty, you know, it's the hope that kills you, sort of thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's when I'm about, when I'm about to just down tools for a couple of weeks, ready to go again, working on the date of the 16th. But if we go back three or four weeks, that date was the 3rd of April. Yeah. And then it got moved yeah. to the 30th of April. And now, it, now we're into the 16th of May. So it's, it, it's constantly ongoing. But we do want yeah. them with some sort of, we want them fresh and fit when they come back. Mm. That's the case. The same as the end of pre season. You don't want them, you don't want them fit and fatigued. But yeah. you, don't want, you don't want them undercooked either. It, well, I suppose they can't, they can't go out and do any um, a carousing, can they? Which we <laughs> sometimes worry about footballers in the summer. No, well, you say there's been a few caught out, I think. But um, no, I think yes, our, lads that's true. Gen- our lads have generally been, um, they've been sensible. Um, and that's, that's, I think players are slightly different as well now in, in general sort of terms. When I was coming through in the summer, they, you know, they, they, they are better pros now. They come, yeah. because of the academy system, they come through better pros I think the culture in life is changing. You know, the, I know people still, people have been doing quite a bit of drinking things. But <laughs> think, you know, young people in particular, they're not going out and boozing and doing all those sorts yeah. of things. So I think the lads definitely look after themselves a lot better than what I did 20 odd years ago when I was in League Two. I know. <laughs> well, you, you ended up going quite late in your career, though, to be fair, didn't you? You played, uh, played a, Yeah, well, I, I sort of learned. Yeah, you know, when I was, I learned on the job when I was 21, 22, I could eat what I want, I could drink what I want, and I'd always be all right. And yeah. So you get, you get to your mid twenties and you start working out. Well, I can't eat that. I can't get away with a night out. 
And then obviously once you get into your 30s, late 30s, you, you've almost got to become a monk, as in I need to do everything right here. I can't, yeah. get any, I can't get any corners. So I sort of learned on the job, but with the academy system now, they get that much information at such a young age. You know, they, they're doing strength and conditioning classes at under 12s and 13s. They're not lifting any weights, but they're lifting a broomstick. So they're learning their techniques. Of, mm. So when they do get to the 14, 15, they, they've got the technique that they can start lifting the weights and the nutritional information and the sports science with GPS and all things like that. So it's, they're, they're different animals now than what they were 20-odd years ago. Certainly are. What was your take on the, the sort of pressure societally on footballers? Uh, Health Secretary Matt Hancock said about Premier League players, didn't he? What was your... Your take on that, because there's quite a pushback from people like Gary Neville in the, in, the, in the industry saying this is, you know, people making scapegoats and almost the government distracting from perhaps their, their, their capacity to deal with the crisis and, and, and putting it onto footballers. Yeah, well, without getting too political with it, I think they're just an easy target, footballers. And mm. because they've become so distant from the general public because of the money they earn. Yeah. So you go back 50 years, they used to go sit in the pub and have a, have a drink with a man in the pub. Well, that's night and day now. Yeah. And it's... It's a sweeping statement. People forget how much footballers actually do. And mm. y- yes, they earn a lot of money, but that's not their fault. Yeah. And they do, a lot, they do a lot of good. And I'm pretty sure at some point there will be an agreement in place. But for, like you say, for someone to come out with such a sweeping statement when there's so many other things that have gone wrong, i.e. the testing and the people have said that you need to be doing and, you know, keep, keep your own counsel, you stay in your lane, get your job right, and then maybe have a look at other people. Yeah. Um, and also, you know as well, don't you? You know from from your brother Shane in terms of it's a fragile career in a sense, isn't it? And it can it can end in a, in a heartbeat. So it's not something that's that's guaranteed to be a huge income for a long time. So I guess as a, you're always cognizant, particularly players that maybe aren't the top top end of the Premier League in terms of earnings, they're they're maybe thinking of their futures too. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And don't get me wrong, there's been it's been a PR disaster. I don't think the PFA have come out of this very well, um, but their job is to protect the players. But there needs to be some sort of give and take in, in this sort of, like you say, I don't think, hopefully it'll never happen again in our lifetime, but make, mm. make something good come out of this. Um, and it's very, the players in the top, top end, you know, I, I, had a, I had a decent-ish career, but I still have to work. Yeah. You know, I yeah. couldn't just go and play golf for the rest of my life now, because, well, I could, but I wouldn't be able to live anywhere. <laughs> so, your, wife, you know, your wife may not be that happy with no, that. Yeah, but she wouldn't be there. <laughs> um, but no, the, people, there, there is a, con- a pre you know, I, I used to bump into people and, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. Oh, so you'll be on 25 grand a week then? No, no yeah. one yeah. But, yeah. And, and what's it matter even if I did? And, yeah. and one of my big things, and you know, just because you earn a little bit more money than maybe the man in the street, it's, it's not acceptable to be a dickhead, basically. No, no. Be a good well, person, be humble, and don't allow money to change what your values are. I think that's a no. big thing in, in life. And sometimes that's where footballers get fall down because they earn so much so young. Yeah. They've got too much money for what their life skills are. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. I think there's also, there is definitely a perception in the public about certain jobs, particularly even, even my job working on TV, there's a perception that I'm earning as much as Gary Lineker or, or whatever, because they're the ones you see in the, in the paper. But it's a very different spectrum, even within Sky Sports News, as a, you know, the senior guys and guys like us are a little bit younger. So it's a, it's a different spectrum, whereas people in the public assume that, you know, I think you grow up, do you think TV means big, big money? And it's, it's sometimes difficult when people ask you for things and expect things from you. Yeah, but then again, you're doing a great job, so you, you feel very lucky to do it. What, it's difficult with football as well, Michael, isn't it? When you think about it, because we talk about small businesses, and I think people, we, we live in Cheltenham, and the sort of concerns over those. And football clubs are a small business, but they're not really set up per se to make money, are they? Other than the, maybe the Premier League clubs who've got owners who, who want to produce. So it's, 
it's that balance, isn't it? Because you're not trying to kind of stockpile money anyway. No, they, they you know, most clubs, if, well, I think there were 16 clubs out of, uh, I think, I'm not sure it was the 72 or the 92, there were 16 clubs that made actually made a profit last year. Yeah. So, you know, that goes to show you that if, you had, if, you're, if you're looking to make money in a football club, don't go near a football club. That would be my <laughs> advice to anybody. <laughs> Put it in the bag, yeah. Um, but I think one thing we are learning as well is what an impact sport has on people, on society. You know, yeah. people are missing it. Yeah. And I don't just mean football. I mean, just general, something to talk about, something to watch, something to stimulate you, something to you come home from work and you, and you do something. And it, it's... It is a difficult. Time. There isn't a person on the planet that hasn't been affected by this in one way, shape, or form. Like you no. said, there's local businesses that are really suffering, um, and obviously clubs are suffering. Players may have to suffer, but everyone's got to be in it together, and hopefully everyone can pull each other through, come together, and, and hopefully the country might be a better place by the end of it. Yeah, believe. it's interesting. The secretary of Cheltenham Town, Paul Godfrey, who I've spoke to just before we were able to actually get close to in person to speak, and I went over to Warden Road, and he was saying, uh, recorded a little chat, which people can listen to uh, up on the podcast in an earlier episode. He was saying that it's difficult unless someone mandates financial restrictions from outside. It's very hard. You mentioned the agents, but also just the competitive element of relegation promotion. You know, there's always that demand to, to pay extra for players to to push the limits in terms of how much salaries you can you can pay. Yeah, and 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 supporters don't sometimes understand where clubs are at. So again, you know, I recommend anyone watching this Sunderland till I die. It's it's a real in, insight into. So I'm uh, I'm watching the one where they they lost a player, lost a centre forward. To, um, is it series one or series no, two? This is series two. Um, series two. I haven't seen series two yet. Yeah, so they've lost a player to Bordeaux, who they basically they knew the agent was going to move him, but the player wasn't very coy. They ended up yeah. getting a million pound for him, and then they they follows the chairman on deadline day, and he gets emotionally attached, and he's and they're trying to sign Will trying to sign Will Grigg, and I think the, yeah. the, oh, the, yeah. the first offer was one point two five million, and they've ended up paying four million quid with their sixth offer with minutes <laughs> with them with minutes to go. Wow. And now everyone thinks, what a great signing. Because on paper, he was a good signing. But they budgeted for, for the 1.25, yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, the, the chairman, and now a year later, Will's a very good player, but he just, he just didn't fit. He couldn't hit a barn door. And then you lump it in. <laughs> but initially, the chairman's a hero because he's, he's you know, he's, he, he's bought the player that they all thought would work. And yeah. 12 months down the line, they're lumbered with it now on a four-year deal on good money. And now it's not the player's fault. That's what I mean. Yeah. So sometimes people will blame the player. Then it's like oh, he's greedy. He's this. He's that. It's like, that and that's what that's why it's such an interesting uh, in program because I've seen it from both sides. And you de- you deal well, yeah. Because you're but you know this is a manager signing players now. You can't do it on paper to a certain extent, can you? You can't even do it through stats. It has to be a sense of whether the the human being fits what you're doing and even fits the area, doesn't it? Because you know, you, you, like you say, you've got players living from from moving from abroad who have got family elsewhere can they mentally deal with it well i think i think you, you try and put as many processes in place and you're trying to get you try and get them to tick as many of the boxes as so you set out what your perfect signing is whether mm. it's age um background information stats recommendations from scouts what your gut feeling is and, and, and you, if they tick enough of them you think do you know what he's worth it but it's but you can't get obsessed with one no you know because if it, if it is the one and it gets away from you. And it happens to us a lot because we can't compete financially. 
Mm. You, you just got to move on to the next one. But you've, done, you've you've had a pretty good success rate this year, haven't you? In terms of your signings, Alfie May came in in, in January and ripped up trees, isn't he? I think even Ruben Reed after his initial injury seems to have, have made a difference to you. But Alfie was Alfie was one we were tracking for a long time. You know, we, yeah. we showed we showed an interest in Alfie fourteen months before we signed it, uh, and we yeah. tried to get him in the January before and in the summer, but couldn't. Ah. And then it came about. So once it, we got a whiff of we might have a chance of doing it, and he fitted into everything that we wanted. Like you said, people look at his stats. He didn't score many goals at Doncaster, but he never played in a, he never played up front in a two. He always yeah. played wide of a front three. So it's like, well, I've, I luckily had the chance to watch him in training because uh, Doncaster came down to play Plymouth last year, used our training ground. So me and Russ were, well, <laughs> uh, you know, what? this is a good opportunity. Sneaky, so, sneaky peek, yeah. Well, I just sat and watched him in training and watched him specifically and liked what we saw. His energy, his enthusiasm, the way he moved. Um, you, you do your background, obviously, on your grand. Um, Mickey knew um, Grant McCann, yeah, yeah. yeah Mickey knew Gavin Strachan, who was the first one to take him in Doncaster. Said, "Great kid, wants to do well." La, la. And in the end, you go, "Well, I think we'll do it." Now, yeah, that, there's no guarantees that that because we, you know, there's players that we've signed that haven't worked. And is is, is he a Northern lad as well? Because that's a, a, a no, he's, he's from no. he's from Kent. He's from Folkestone. Oh, okay. So for him, it's moving a little closer to, to home as well. A little bit closer, but his wife was pregnant. Um, they're getting married in the summer. Um, so we were able to offer him a little bit more security rather than money. He was out there yes. in the summer and we could give him two years after this, after, well, two and a half years. So I think yeah. that that thought, that I, I was telling him that he'll be playing in a front two because I play with a front two mm-hmm. um, 95% of the time, whether it's a 4 4 2 or a 3 5 2, I like a front a centre forward pair. Yeah. Um, and that's well, that was good. Is that from Burnley? That That's kind of still, obviously, they're kind of uh, almost. Uh, going against the grain at the moment, doing that still, aren't they? In the prayer. Yeah, well, it's just something that I, but particularly, and this is all relative to the level you're playing at as well. Yeah. You know, if I, by hook or crock, ever end up getting up to <laughs> the Championship or the Premier League, it might, you might be playing 4 3 3 every week because that's what everyone else does. Yeah. But in the league yeah. that we play in, um, I believe that playing with a pair at the top end of the pitch is now, that's just my opinion. Football's brilliant because so many teams play so many different ways and and, and, and all find the right, right way of winning. And my my personal opinion is that I'd like to play with a front two and I think he plays well with a partner. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's interesting though, tactically, isn't it? That's kind of a segue, but just in terms of if that you say the Premier League everyone sort of imitates each other in the in the sort of four three three. Do you think some do you think there it will be a cycle where that will change again? Because obviously when we were growing up it was four four two and then I remember being confused even by people talking about football from the 70s and 60s in terms of position names, left half and things like that were different than, than we'd grown up with. So do you think it will move on again and someone will be a trendsetter in it and then they'll have other well, people follow? You look, you'd go back to you know, seven or eight years ago, it was the 4-3-3 tiki-taka of Barcelona and everyone tried to yeah. imitate it. Well, it's, it's not easy to imitate when you've got Busquets, Xavi and um, <laughs> Iniesta. Yeah, and then Iniesta, Messi yeah. as well. Yeah, and then Messi, well, he, Messi, he, Messi to dribble around ten players. Messi, to, yeah. so. um, but I think even no. at the minute, you look at the minute. There's quite a lot of clubs in League Two playing three-five-two. You look at the uh, the Premier League. You've got other than your big big boys. Um, you've got Chelsea yeah. have won the league a couple of times. Well, with Conte playing a three-four-three, Wolves and Sheffield United are doing really well playing a three-four, uh, three-three-five-two. Sorry, or three-four-three. Three. We. Have you borrowed ideas from Sheffield United and Chris Wilder with the, the 
bombing forward. Uh, do you know what? Half, just spoke to, to Will Boyle. <laughs> One thing that I've learned, I haven't actually watched a lot of as much as Sheffield United as what I'd have liked. Since this lockdown's yeah. happened, I've watched a lot of them. Um, and I was actually ch- I was, well, I was Kindred actually chatting to Mickey <laughs> Mickey Moore uh, the other day, and I was like. Do you know what? If anyone watches us, they must, they must think we copy everything they do because we are so... And I don't mean... Just sort of like basic sort of patterns and, and, and ideas. Um, and I, I don't know Chris personally and it might be something I actually should do in this, in this break is to try and pick up the phone to him and just try and pick his brain because he's obviously doing it a lot longer and knows a lot more than I do. But, but like I said, that's yeah. just part of... Pers- I've watched a lot of... Um, watched a lot of Juventus with Conte in 2012-13. Watched quite a lot of Inter Milan with mm. him currently. Watching watching a lot of wolves because mm. I think the way they move the ball with the ball they're they're brilliant and just trying to learn because I think where we are at the minute I can't see us turning into a back four anytime soon. Well, we've recruited really? the players and we've spent but- eighteen months coaching the players. Um, now that's <laughs> not to say that you, oh, I'm stupid. How much is that predicated on athletic centre half though? To be able to because it's sort of unheralded for a centre half. You obviously played across the back, but Will Boyle's talked about how he is naturally aerobic and didn't realise he was and hadn't felt tired previously playing a regular centre-half but now he's he said he's feeling more of a burn in his legs but he's enjoying that, that responsibility to, to get forward centre-halves generally think they're better mm. players than what they are but you, you look at Jacob Greaves has been <laughs> um, it took him it was quite weird I don't think he's ever been asked to do it but he because he was so young I think it was and he's a naturally a very good footballer he, he loved it once he got the hang of it a little bit different for people like Boylo and Charlie Ragland because it's not so natural because they've always just stayed at home. But it, it, yeah. you just create overloads in different types of areas of the pitch. And if you do it right, having played against it before, um, you know, with Steve Cottrell's team, I remember playing, we won the league at Burnley um, in my, my last year as a player. And, and in the August, we played Bristol City at Bristol yeah. City. They'd just come up from League One and we couldn't get near them. Every, everywhere you looked at yeah. people all over the place now we won the game 2-1 because we scored from two corners um, which yeah. I told you something about that t- the Burnley team at the time was we got absolutely battered <laughs> by Bristol City but we won the game um, because yeah. when you do it right and it's done right it, it when you're playing against it it can feel horrible because it's like every time we got, they've got 3v2 three, three everywhere on the pitch because it can, now it can cause yeah. its own problems the other way as well don't get me wrong you you can get Go done in wide yeah. areas, you can get done on the counter-attack, but it's. I just think that the players that we've got, obviously I tried 4-4-2 when we first came in, it didn't work. We went to a three and since then we've spent a lot of time coaching it and the players, the, the players have yeah. taken it on. They're a lot more informed now. They understand themselves now. When it's getting a bit blocked up, we might have to get out the other way or, oh no, we'll stay patient here now because we, we have got a 4v3 or a 3v2 in this side of the pitch. So, um, And it's from my point of view, it's been enjoyable because it's something new to me. I'm learning all the time as well. Yeah, yeah, and no, I bet you are. And I think it's interesting in terms of that overload because the players getting forward from centre-half in particular, I always think about this, you wouldn't want to pick them up if you were a central midfield player because often the mismatch there with height, isn't it? The type of body type you get in midfield and, and centre-half, you've got a guy going in who's 6'3 to attack a ball. It's, it's hard then who, who can counter yeah, that well, attack. I think it, it doesn't really matter what formation you you him at any one moment you didn't, it's just the rotations so we might have a centre half a wing back and a centre midfielder in a wide area whereas a 4-3 but we are two centre mm. because the centre halves have disappeared but then you could flip that around and it could be two centre yeah. and one sitting and you've got a centre forward 
and a right winger and a right back out in the wide area. So it generally it's 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 the rotations. The game doesn't really change. Formations are four or five yards. It's just we might have a centre half on the right wing rather than a right back. But then Yeah. And do you, do you coach that on eleven a side pitch do you, or do you coach that in Both. small small situations? Um Mm. Oh, well, you, you coach. You coach. Well, you try and coach three sides of the game, which is with the ball, without the ball. And then there's the, the sort of the mentality of the, the transitional phase where no one. Um, so we do a lot of individual um, block work, as in defenders, midfielders, centre forwards, whether that's analysis or actual um, block work. Generally, a Thursday would be I would take the de defenders, the back five, and the goalie. And do 20 minutes, yeah. 15, 20 minutes whilst Russ is doing a few patterns with the front end of the pitch and then we stitch it together. Um, and it's just to try and give them a better understanding of what their roles are. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot goes into it. It's fascinating to get that, that insight. And it's interesting, we talked last time about momentum and I was wondering about the gap. And obviously, like you said, the, the health is the main concern and football takes a sideshow. But I wonder, do you think the, the teams that were on losing runs are, will be have some sort of advantage from this rather than the teams that had built up that momentum so before the break? So I think we'll only know after the event, but you know, we, we just won six in seven. Um, I've spoken to a couple of managers who I won't mention, but they were, they were happy for the break. They were absolutely injury ravaged. Mm. So they, they'll probably come back with five or six players that they didn't have. Yeah. Um, so there'll be positives and, Negatives all over. No one will know. No one will know whether you should have given the players three weeks off or whether you should have kept them at it all the time once it all gets done. And like I said, it's like you just said a minute ago, there is the, the key is that we get as many people safe as possible first. Yeah. Certainly is. And what, what do you think about the psychology of, of the fans coming back into it? Do you envisage them being eager to get out there or do you think there'll be a sort of a, a hangover of, of concern over going into to public places with big crowds? Uh, I think they've probably split that into two. I think you, if the public is sort of uh, confident in, right, it's all done and dusted. Now it's it, we're it, it can be managed. It's safe to go outside. I think once it's the the public do believe it is safe to go outside. I think they'll be coming in their droves because they'll be desperate to go and see some some live sport. Um, hopefully, anyway. But then you obviously got the economic problem as well. Just thinking about it, that people might not be able to afford to go. So because of where where they might be financially, so it's. I think there'll be a real thirst for it. It's just whether, like you say, people um, are confident enough to go outside, and 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 how these lockdown limits get taken taken away, yeah, and and economically whether people can afford to go, which is something clubs might need to factor in as well, because yes, they need the money, but they might need to take a help the man in the street to be able to actually walk in the door. Yeah, I suppose that might benefit in a sense, League One and League Two teams. If you're someone who has a local club in in the lower leagues, but you typically would go to a Premier League club, maybe your finances might suggest you go to, to watch your local club instead. Yeah, well, you, you, that's what I mean. During, during this whole thing, you, you just don't know what's going to come come of it. But you'd like to think that the, the, the we're doing as a club, we're trying to do everything we can for the community. I think they've read and it, our players can't donate hundreds of thousands of pounds and the club can't do that either, but they're just trying to give what they can. And, and... Yeah, you, you're sorry, I think you just broke up with the, shave, the shaving of the heads. Have you, have you shaved your head yet? Clearly, I've not been nominated. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you're growing a bit 
Long, long well, crispy. It's getting a bit fluffy, I know that. But I've been asked this question a few times. I'd have no, I'd have no problem shaving my head off if it was for, if it was going to raise a little bit of money for um, a, a great cause. No one's had the, uh, no one's had the courage, shall we say, to uh, to to to, to call t- me out. Temerity. So I'm not on social media, so I'm not, probably not that easy. But I'm sure if someone was to nominate me, I'd I'd find out pretty quickly. But I think it's great what the players are doing. Just to come, you know, just to. I have a little idea that's raised five or six thousand pounds already, um, and I think I think yeah. uh, Gav, our physio, who nominated a Gloucester rugby player, which is obviously a Premier League team, so and, and they can help raise awareness and what, what what people are doing for for a great cause. Because obviously, it seems to be at the minute that you're either doing everything or nothing. Obviously, as a, as a job at the minute, we're doing nothing. But then there's people. I've got friends who are policemen. And, Obviously, people yeah. working in the NHS and you know um, lawyers and people like that, you know, um, employment lawyers. They, they they seem to be doing everything. Yeah, there's a lot of people very busy. My dad's a doctor as well, and we're we're going to work a little bit. But as you pointed out, I'm doing my own makeup at the moment, so the mascara has not been on yeah. point. And uh, I think my wife Carla's got a pair of uh, haircut and scissors that might might come into ha- hand at some point. So we'll see how we uh, we get on. But it's different times. Michael, I appreciate you um, taking the time to speak to me though, and go back to your beer and. Enjoy the rest of the bank holiday sunshine. No worries, mate. Look after yourself. Cheers, buddy. Speak to you soon. Take Cheers. care. Cheers, mate. So there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that, particularly Cheltenham Town fans or Burnley fans. I thought it was really interesting, actually, the elaboration of a what players are going through in terms of psychology and the, the lack of structure that they're used to in routine, which I suppose is true for a lot of us. Um, but how a lot of their lives are they're out of their control, but also Michael talking about the tactics there, elaborating on how Chelsea, uh, Cheltenham even have that back five and the, the centre-halves that go forward and how he works on that, I think is was really good insight and amazing. He hadn't noticed or been aware really of, of how much Sheffield United did a similar thing and it'd be interesting to see if he does touch base with Chris Wilder over this enforced break. Uh, but yeah, appreciate Michael Duff coming on. Apologies for connection and, and things like that because obviously I'm relying on Michael very kindly downloading an app and, and connecting and Wi-Fi and things like that. So appreciate you putting up with that uh, during the time being. Hopefully it's worth it. Let me know any feedback. Ed Draper 81 on Twitter and Instagram. Ed underscore Draper 81. And I will post a link to those supplements as well to boost immunity through selenium and zinc and things like that in terms of a supplement that my dad recommends as a micronutritionist. Not me. I'm not a doctor, but he's um, helped design some supplements and been entrenched in it for a long time. There'll be a discount code there on that too. Anyway, enjoy your Easter weekend. I hope to speak to over the course of the weekend, James Golden, who's a fitness professional, has actually worked with professional footballers before, but mainly members of the public and is based in the Cotswolds, um, primarily at Dalesford Organic Farm, which if you're aware of that, he does training out of there, also does training in London with, with different people. But uh, yeah, I hope uh, you're well, as I say, and take it easy. Best of health to you. Stay safe as a normal term, or stay well, I think is a better way of putting it, isn't it? But anyway. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. Rate it on iTunes if you can. Bye-bye.